Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today. I'm your host, Dr. Erin Elmore. My guest today is Dr. Sean Sullivan. Sean is a licensed psychologist and founder of One Perfect, which is an on-demand wellness platform that delivers personalized mindset shifting experiences called Shifts. Dr. Sullivan began his formal psychology education at Harvard University. He interned at the Center for Mindfulness and Science at the University of Massachusetts Medical School prior to completing a psychology residency at the University of Texas Health Sciences Center and did his postdoctoral training based at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Sullivan's clinical research focuses on applying psychology to improve mental health, particularly by teaching anyone how to shift their state of mind on demand. As a psychotherapist for over 20 years, he has written popular psychology books and articles and created digital mental health, wellness, and peak performance psychology courses, apps, tools, and a psychology stage show. He also directed psychology and developed VR-based treatments at a virtual reality for psychology startup in Palo Alto, California. Currently based in Mirror Beach, Sean teaches how to shift towards a better state of mind in under 10 minutes at any time. We're excited to have Sean with us to talk about One Perfect Shift and their program that helps users shift their mind to a better place. Sean, welcome. Your qualifications are very impressive. I'm very excited to have you here to learn more about your program. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. It's so great to be here. Yeah, that bio is way too long. We're going to have to fix that. I hope that wasn't too painful for people to listen to. No, it's impressive. I'm like, what What? What do you not know? Where did you not go to school? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I'm 51 years old, so I guess I have had time to do a few things. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yes. Well, tell us a little bit about your One Perfect app and what inspired you to end up here. Ah, all right. Awesome. So this it's the One Perfect Shift app. And I'm a clinical psychologist now, so I've been doing that for a long time. And I've been focused on how to apply technology to psychology throughout my research and my career, and then also in treating patients and therapy. And one thing that I noticed was that people will come into a therapy session. This is sort of universally. Every time this happens, people come in, they're struggling with whatever it is they're coming in with today, which may or may not be related to their diagnosis or the treatment plan. So the first five minutes, you're really just coming into presence together, coming into the session together and coping with what's going on at that moment. And what I found was every time over the course of those years, that those five minutes would produce a connected, you know, state of mind between us. The person would feel present. I would feel present. They might be laughing. We would be having a good time usually by then. And I saw that regardless of what someone's going through as a diagnosis, maybe in five minutes, most people, given the right circumstances, can get to a good place. And so that was really the seed, I think, of insight and also shifting in my own life and all of that stuff. I mean, so there there are many ways that I came to develop shifting, but I think that's the most powerful one is that insight that we're all capable of making the shift. And so what we did was produce a product on that concept of how do we how do we develop a product that can help people shift when they need to? That's purely digital, maybe. And actually it is currently purely digital. And we'll talk about how it's becoming shift therapists are entering now to deliver live shifts. 
but the purely digital idea was the first one. And we did a partnership with the university system out here and started piloting it and found roughly 90% of people were saying that they were able to shift into a better state of mind in a few minutes using this digital experience. And I was really surprised as a therapist, you think we have hour long sessions, roughly you do a bunch of them over time, you, you're feeling better. So it was a surprise to see that people were reporting that and and that led to our first sale with that university and then to to selling that product to other places and continuing to improve it. So I could probably share a few stories about inspiration, but that's on the clinical side what happened. I saw this is a very foundational skill for your mental health. If you can learn to shift your state of mind and what you do in the app, you come in, you say, I'm lonely, I'm frustrated, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm unmotivated, I can't sleep. And within five to 10 minutes, the idea is that you're shifting closer to where you want to be. And it's also teaching you how to do that for yourself, to record your own voice, to blend that into your shifts. So stop me, Aaron. I'll just keep going. No, no, that was great. That was a good explanation. And, it, and it's interesting because yes, as a trained clinical psychologist, I'm thinking, well, you know, we were trained that you need presence. You need a human being to ground you, to anchor you, to feel your feelings, to shift your mood most of the time. Not that other things can't, of course, music, nature, we know this. So it's yeah. really fascinating to be able to find a product, a digital product that does that effectively. And to have, I think you said 90% of people were reporting this worked we were, for them. That's amazing. We were 89% by the time we had to turn in the most recent numbers. And I think, <laughs> but you know, that includes all the learning. And so I think it's, it's almost universal that people can do this. And I totally agree with you. What you said resonates with me as a psychologist. I was surprised we're trained a little bit differently in a way, but this is not about necessarily healing mental illness. This mm -hmm. is about getting to a place where you can cope with that next step of your day better. So it's definitely a different thing. But on the other hand, it's a really, I think, hopeful thing that we're able to learn that. Yeah. And I love the term shift because that's the perfect word for it, right? Because it's, as you were explaining, it's not, you know, a, a change in your case conceptualization about life or healing your inner child. It's, it's that shift. And I know what you're talking about having sat with clients where you, you feel the energy in the room shift or their mood shifts and their countenance lightens. And of course we even feel it ourselves too. If we are having a hard day and then we turn it around, it, it is a shift. That's a perfect word for it. So oh, I like that. You. And that mm -hmm. was, you're hitting on one of the, I think important things that we figured out along the way was how to talk about it. Mm -hmm. A lot of this even shifting, including as a concept is about having the language that's appropriate for yourself, basically. And so using the right words to introduce it, I think, is even really important. When we when we do shifts together, we'll we'll often use that word as part of the title of the shifts or shift loneliness, for example. And then you're going to set an intention to shift yourself into a better state of mind. So it gets very clear what you're trying to do. I appreciate you pointing that out. I think getting better at this in a lot of ways is improving your facility with language that works for you. Mm, that's interesting too. Yeah. Well, how does it work? So how, to tell us practically, what does this look like? How does it actually happen? How does a shift happen through your yeah. program? Well, sort of on, we can go through the sort of structure one and maybe play with one ourselves okay. right now, if you'd like, but on the very practical side, 
there are two ways basically that people enter this. If you go to oneperfectshift.com, you subscribe and you start getting free weekly shifts by email. They're delivered text in your email inbox and you can click on it and listen or you can click and open an app. And if that's the other way is download and subscribe to the One Perfect Shift app and that's how you get shifts. And once you have those, either of those, then you can choose based on how you're feeling right now, which shift you you would want. In the app, it's hyper-personalized. I mentioned you can record your voice, you can blend those into your shifts. And so there's a lot happening. You can connect to others. And hopefully we'll talk about a little bit later. You can choose eventually, as we're recruiting for now, a live person to shift you. Hmm. But in terms of practically how to, how does a shift work, Let's say you came into the app and you you know, maybe just wanted to come into presence. A big use case for us between universities, communities, and say enterprise or employers, the employer side, it's I'm doing meeting after meeting. I'm running from one thing to the next. I'm stressed and I want to have five minutes to get me even just centered to go to my next thing, centered and maybe motivated. So those two. So if we were going to talk about that one. I usually like to introduce all this stuff by letting people know that I have come to think of learning to shift your state of mind as the most important skill you can learn because it underlies your capacity for mental health and your ability maybe to teach others how to do it, to shift others. So usually what we'll do to start is is say, let's take a long, deep breath together. And you would have, you know, absorbed that intention we're shifting into presence is the idea on this one. And I love to talk about at the very beginning that noticing after you, we'll do one more together, but after you take a long deep breath, just try to really notice any, I call it a shift, but any change in your inner experience, that which we'll think of as a mini shift. So let's take one more super long deep breath together and just notice if anything changed from your current state to after your long deep breath and just notice and i do that because i having done this a bunch of time have noticed that every time now that's almost a mantra take a long deep breath produces a mini shift a slight shift down into a, a state of mind that's closer to where you want to be a little bit more relaxed and now let's set an intention together let's shift into a deeper state of presence over the next few minutes. And the way that I love to, to sort of kick it off is to say, just listen to life, listen to your environment with 100% of your attention. So a lot of times we're doing something with part of our attention, 10% is seeping off somewhere. I love that analogy on your browser. You have like a hundred browser windows. Mm -hmm. So those are all spreading out your attention in different places. So what we're saying here is, Listen with 100% of your attention so you're hearing all those things that you might, that you typically don't hear, you might not otherwise hear. And so let's, why don't we do that? How's 15 seconds of silence to do that? Mm -hmm. Another deep breath and let's just listen. And you may get distracted and that's okay. Just reset that intention to be 100% present by listening to life. And meantime, Again, notice any shift occurring inside you. Okay, perfect. And I, and I remind on that one because the core skill here is actually noticing. The core skill is listening like we just did, listening to life with 100% of your attention. If you can direct your attention where you want to in any moment, that is presence ultimately. That's going to get you into a flow state. 
So that's one skill set. The other is noticing what's going on inside you. And the more nuanced you are at your ability to notice, the more those mini shifts you know, stretch mm -hmm. out into true shifts into presence. And so that's it. You know, we would do that would be a typical shift. We might talk a little bit about the topic a little bit more. And then on the back end, depending on what the person had next for the day, you might visualize that a little bit and then come out with a real intention for the next hour to be to just maintain that state of presence by continuing to listen. What I often will do is shift that listening from just listening with our ears to listening with our body, listening with every one of your senses you can rotate around to. And, and as you do that, you I think you get better at finding what's that portal to presence, I like to call it, that brings you personally most into this, this state of now. And the state of now being 100% of your attention here and not sort of seeping off into those things that stress us out, mm -hmm. and raise anxiety and have negative health consequences. Absolutely. Thanks for leading us through that. That was I noticed the first breath I was more aware of tension in my body, right? You go from thing to thing to thing. And sometimes I live in my head too much. And so I was like, oh, my shoulders are a little tight. Let me relax and get comfy. And then, you know, the next breath I was getting more relaxed. And then I noticed things about my office I'd never noticed before, like the birds outside or a car driving by. So it is interesting how your mind can just block so much out and stay so busy. And so I could see how powerful this would be to even just five minutes incorporate into your day. How do you distinguish this shift activity from mindfulness? Or would you say it's similar? Because I've done mindfulness activities that seem very similar. So I'm wondering if you see an overlap yeah. or if you would distinguish it at all. Yes, 100%. So I did an internship, the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Center during mm -hmm. grad school and learned all about mindfulness-based stress reduction, which incorporates mindfulness into a therapy treatment, a protocol. So that might be something that helps people with depression or anxiety. It basically is reducing stress. And if you can do that, no matter what psychopathology you might be dealing with, you're improving the, the situation. I learned so much from that. It's a beautiful process. Mindfulness has as its foundation observing the current content flowing through your world. And it's a little bit different from shifting in the sense that in mindfulness, you have that singular intention to observe the present moment. In shifting, you set a different intention, which is to move from your current state to a chosen state. And so whereas the core of mindfulness really is no intention, just mm -hmm. sort of beautiful in a way, right? It's training this no intention use of your attention. With shifting, it's taking your attention and pointing it towards an, a particular intention. And so it can be used, I think, in a little bit of a different way in a sort of a practical, real-life environment as opposed to maybe something that's really helpful for training that pays off throughout your life, mm. mindfulness. Yeah, I've heard people talk about mindfulness as a practice, which makes sense because you're removing the intention and so much of our world is very driven and intention focused. So that makes sense from a mindfulness angle. And then it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're saying shifting is, is almost more like a active coping tool that can be used. And, and there may be components of mindfulness in it, but it, you're intentionally trying to shift your mood or shift your mindset. 
Yeah, I I have definitely heard people say the word active meditation. Mm. So I think when people do it, that's what they come away with. Oh, that's a meditation with an intention. So yeah, an active meditation. Yeah. Okay. That that's great. And what do you notice this helps with? So one of the answers I thought of when you asked an early question about the inspiration was my sort of personal side inspiration. Mm -hmm. And that was that as I was coming out of grad school in psychology and becoming a psychologist, and all of a sudden I had a license and I had all this debt and I had to go work, I was feeling quite a bit of stress from that. And I'm sure a lot of people can can relate to whatever their work stress is. In my case, it was that. And overnight, I'm waking up with you know stress coursing through my veins and not able to sleep and I got to get up in the morning and I'm not going to sleep enough and all that. So as a psychologist, I decided I better be able to cope with this. <laughs> I was going to spend my days teaching how to cope with it. And that was the first time I created a shift and it was for sleep. Basically, I called it a sleep shift. I got to figure out how I can get myself back to a peaceful rest, rested state when I wake up in the middle of the night. So the short answer to your question is, I think it can be applied to anything. My personal answer is that it came out of that. And when I found a, let's say, a script that worked for me every time I took myself through it over the course of five minutes, it really changed so much about how the rest of my life was. And that's because once you realize that you're only a few minutes away from a better place anytime, once you know you have that sort of internal control, on, I don't love the word control, but you, you know that you have that skill, let's say, mm -hmm. then so many of the things you used to fear just reduce in, in the kind of danger vibe. And so it changes a lot about how you live, no matter how you learned it, I think. So I learned it well from the sleep. An example of how your life changes is I stopped waking up in the in the middle of the night because the fear wasn't there in the first place all of a sudden. But now I do it first thing in the morning. I have it, you know, my morning coffee and I do a five-minute shift on whatever it is. Usually it's I'm putting out one in a week. So it's, you know, something related to that. But if I do that, I notice then the rest of my day, it cascades the benefits of it. And in five minutes is something that I'm able to do. A lot of us are taught, oh, you need to do it. It used to be an hour session, then it's like 20 minutes. And we're finding not just me, but in all of the research now, it's down to looking at brain changes over the course of five minute mm -hmm. mindfulness, whatever it might be, breathing sessions. And we're seeing the brain changes occurring in the research after some consistent practice with even five minutes of this stuff. That's really encouraging because I know myself and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, it's so hard to think about meditating or slowing down mentally for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. And I yes. think that's some of the language around meditation that we hear most of the time is you want to work up to longer and longer increments. So I like that this seems very practical and not so intimidating where you can feel a shift in a short amount of time. And I'm sure you could go longer if you wanted to but it's effective pretty quickly, which is really empowering. Yeah. 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 I'll also often say at the end of it, I got, you know, I have to get back to work, but if you want to, you know, keep in that chill present state, do it go as long as you, right. as you want. And I do, as you were saying that I'm thinking it is one of the problems with meditation, I think is that the word is attached to this longer time concept. Right. And maybe for good reason, but now we know that the short experiences also have powerful effects again if done consistently that 60 days is what the most recent stuff is showing if you can do it for that long 
but I think in the terms of more like try to do it for three weeks because that's what builds a habit typically, this kind of a habit. And once you get that, you probably get to your 60 days. And the problem with the longer is that people, you can't build the habit. Yeah. And so it, it ends up, my guess is long-term being less effective than setting the short habit and actually doing it. Mm. No, is that five minutes a day for 60 days? That's what the research shows is yeah. effective? Okay. Yeah, that, well, this hasn't been tested p- specifically with shifts. Okay. But with breathing exercises, they've tested it with mindfulness exercises. And I suspect it just has a lot to do with anything that's bringing you further into presence and is sort of teaching you how to move down your continuum of stress to relaxed probably is going to have that impact. And I just happen to like this version of doing it because the idea is it meets you where you are in any given moment. And for me, doing the same thing over and over, it's part of what makes the habit hard, I think. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Most of us spend more time at work than anywhere else doing anything else. So why not spend that time in a job you love? Introducing Triad's Jobs Marketplace, the only job site dedicated specifically to behavioral and mental health professionals. Featuring more than 1,000 open jobs from dozens of behavioral and mental health employers and searchable by location, professional field, employment type, specialization, and more. Jobs Marketplace helps you find your next career opportunity. Full-time, part-time, or gig-time, make the most of your time. To access Jobs Marketplace, register for your free professional account at hellotriad.com bht. That's hellotriad.com slash B-H-T, and then click to Jobs Marketplace. If you're already a member of the Triad community, visit app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. That's app.hellotriad.com slash jobs. Visit us today and take your next career step tomorrow. Definitely. Yeah. I liked what you were saying earlier too, about it creates a sense of agency is kind of the word you were looking for. Or that's what we were, I was thinking of yeah, at least because yeah. it's, cause it's, it is control, but it's not like you're hyper controlling everything. Agency. Yeah. Yeah. Because I relate a little bit to the, your sleeping example, or I can think of it in other examples for other situations, like maybe chronic pain or just that if you're stuck in fight or flight to be able to know and be comforted by, okay, I have a tool that I can use here. That's usually pretty reliable. That takes out so much of that extra layer of anxiety of how am I going to calm down from this? And when is it going to stop? And when am I going to go back to sleep? Or when am I going to get out of pain? And so I do think that that's an important key. If it works for people to know it will work and you can rely on it. And it's very easily accessible. Actually, I think you're right on, Aaron. I suspect because we approach this from the beginning, sort of from a wellness perspective, as opposed to like a mental health treatment perspective, mm-hmm. which I think we're heading towards as we see the the success. So we're dealing with the issues that tend to be that I'm lonely or, or that or I'm unmotivated, that kind of stuff. But I think your use case that you just mentioned is so powerful, partly because if you know you have any tool, right, it's already shifting your attention to that. Yes. It's doing its job by by being there. And I that's not unlike a therapist, right? We're we're, you know, and maybe you end up being on someone's shoulder as a voice that can help them calm when you're not there. But besides the fact that it should work very effectively for you once you hit play, I think just the fact of knowing, oh, I have I do have a solution for this that's worked for me. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I could see it working in a lot of contexts too. Like we're, we're talking about maybe a, a individual context here, but I could see clinically, cause I, you know, I would do some of those activities with clients who are really dysregulated when they would come into sessions for whatever reason or another. So if that was already part of the practice, you could spend less time regulating them and then spend more time with the treatment or delving deeper into what is making them upset. So yeah. I could see this being effective and maybe even in a group setting, if you do it as a group together. Yeah. It's, it's really a good tool. Oh uh, yeah. That's great to hear. Yeah. I've often thought of it as here's something in your psychology office that can be done in the waiting room. Mm. So you come in and you're in that state already. And oftentimes, you know, we went through it sort of quickly, but we'll have, particularly if it's a shift that's related to a mental health issue, we'll take, you know, another minute, 30 seconds or whatever, and just say, let's sit with whatever's coming up around that particular issue so that you engage with it a little bit, then you let it go again, do that practice. So I'm sure you have the experience like I have in therapy where people forget what they, you know, wanted to say today and that kind of thing. So I think it can help to get everyone's thoughts organized just before yeah. the session. I also think it's kind of maybe a random population, but it just popped in my mind. But I feel like young parents, parents of young kids would really appreciate this too, because I don't know if it's true. It popped up on my Instagram feed, but apparently there's some pseudo research out there. Maybe it's real that said the cortisol level of stay at home parents is so high because you're constantly interrupted. You can't finish anything. You're containing a little tiny person's emotions all day and having to contain your own, you know? So I feel like this could be effective in that type of environment too, where you just need to recenter, let it go. And you don't have 30 minutes to sit there. You have to monitor for safety 24 uh, seven. So the, yeah, yeah I, I could see this applying in many populations. Oh yeah. I mean, your instincts are so right on. I, I've definitely have heard that from moms that I think at the very least, they like being able to hit play, you know, at bedtime and say like, let's, let's just be quiet for, <laughs> <laughs> or even just for themselves. Like, okay, I can make it through this. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. And well, then the kid can, the child can choose, you know, the emotion and kind of learn a little bit that way. But I think, yeah, with all of these, each time I, you know, we have an idea, I say, oh, we would want to make it so perfect for that population, you know, make the, yeah. you, know, you right can even now make a kids, um, a kids section that's more kid friendly or, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. Well, what successes have you seen for, or do you have any success stories? And from my understanding, the shift is being used at university of California already. So have you seen any stories of success from there? Yes, we, yeah. So we work with university of California to do a bunch of pilots for two years. Okay. And they eventually joined us as a subscriber for UCSC university of California, Santa Cruz. And so, and they have 20,000 member community there, mostly students, 20,000 plus, mostly students, but staff and everyone else in the university counseling center is who we worked through and still do. And they will offer this to students coming in for therapy as something to use between sessions and then to the rest of the community for the wellness or, or whatever it might be. So yeah, the, you know, to me, the the broad positive news that we've gotten back in terms of a success is that roughly 90% of people who are doing a shift are saying, oh, that was good and mm -hmm. coming back. And, and we're now emailing out shifts. So we're seeing about 50% of people who ever open one shift continue to do it on a weekly basis, roughly. 
So it tends to be the case. I've been in this digital wellness for 20 years now. That's the problem is most people don't use the products. There's some potentially useful things, but people don't use them consistently. So we really focused on how do we get it so that people will use it. So for me, that's the big success is that people, once they use it, once continue to use it in general at, at far higher rates than I've seen ever with a wellness product. That's no small thing. I'm guilty as well of starting something like a, a mindfulness app and just just don't use it. I don't know why. I'm psychologist. Don't even use it. Yeah, so that's yeah. great that you have retention. Yeah. It forces us to think hard about how to do it. So we send emails out of shifts every week to anyone who subscribed mm. and people seem to open their emails if they like, you know, if they historically it's useful. And so that seems to be the lowest barrier version of how to do it. And then people come more in when they need it. So I was excited by that too, to see engagement. Yeah. And you said that you're working on having the option to speak with a real life person. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah. Well, actually, you reminded me again of your earlier question that I've, I wanted to touch on a little more. So we know that in psychology research over the last 40, 50 years, that the number one variable for change in psychotherapy research is the relationship with the therapist mm -hmm. as reported by the patient or client, right? So it's always been, and that's why I think both you and I and most psychologists are surprised to hear, oh, you can shift pretty quickly because we think of that relationship as the whole thing. Well, we know it's important and we know it amplifies anything. So we're now bringing in shift therapists. So if you come into the app, the One Perfect Shift app, for example, and you tap I'm lonely, then you'll get in a couple other, you know, within three taps, you're ready to go. And it'll say, do you want a live shift or do you want digital shifts, which is what we do right now. We're adding this live shift component and calling it shift therapy. And we're training shift therapists who do not have to have a clinical background, by the way. They are, this is a peer-to-peer -peer network. Okay. There's been a lot of research showing how peer-to-peer -peer is very helpful for psychology and wellness issues that are sort of subclinical. So if it's mm -hmm. not a serious depression there's a lot of value in having some, just anyone who's been trained to walk you through a couple of good strategies. So we are now recruiting shift therapists and training them to be able to shift other people who come into the app. And because we've been doing it for four years, we have the scripts that we can supply to the shift therapists. So what we're really looking for is people who are able to connect quickly with someone, you know, have empathy, and then basically feel confident with shifting so they could guide someone through a live shift. And my guess is that that's going to have a powerful impact on a lot of these categories. We were talking about loneliness, mm -hmm. motivation, just generally getting connected. I can imagine you and I know each other a little bit now. If I saw you on the app as a shift therapist, before I even click, I'm excited to see you, right? And I think that's mm. part of what works in therapy is there's a bond, there's a relationship through which a lot of good things happen. So we're, we're going to be testing out whether five to 10 minute live sessions outperform non-live sessions. Now, this opens up so many other questions in my mind. One, yeah. yes. Will you, do you think that it would be connecting with the same consistent therapist that would be effective? Or do you expect that having a, a person, regardless of if it's a different person each time, would still be effective or interesting for the users? It's all TDB in my mind. You know, okay. like I said, I've been surprised by some of the results so far. I seem to get that question about, can you get the same person next time? Like that would be important to people. So yeah. I feel like maybe, you know, that's a trend that I'm hearing. To me, I'm envisioning it like 
there's some things I love about this sentence and some things I don't, but Uber for mental health, where you can see the star <laughs> ratings, like this guy's like great that. At motivation, this person's great at sadness, and maybe that would help guide you to someone who would be relevant for you. And yeah, I would think if you really like a, a certain person, the trick is, are they there the next time, you know, are they available? The I know. Next and that was my next question is, yeah. I mean, who's doing like the 2 a.m. shift? Are you having this 24-7 <laughs> or which might open well, you up to crises? So then are these people going to be crisis trained? These are just yes, where my mind's perfect. going. These are, you know, proof that you're a mental health professional. <laughs> <laughs> so the the first part of it is I think the way that it scales and grows is that people will be scheduling their shift okay. time initially, right? So and that could work, time. right? You know, like Tuesdays are my busy day. I want to talk to someone in my lunch break. I could see that being very effective. Yeah, we've seen, especially during COVID, that coaching sessions at work are extremely popular. So if your employer provides the benefit of one coaching session a week, 90% of people are putting it on their calendar. So I think that, you know, that's been proving pre pretty popular. And if you can get a shift, like you said, on your Tuesday when you're pre-meeting or something, I think schedule it and then we know you can get the person you want and we can manage right. flow a little better. And then if we can achieve the dream, which is my dream is... Everyone in the world is a shift therapist for 10 minutes a week, shifting someone else. If we can get to that kind of scale, then then we will be able to, when you tap go, maybe you do a brief sort of digital experience that brings you into presence and then your shift therapist, then Aaron arrives with the smiling face and as long as you're not with someone else and, and it can be real time. So that's just probably number of people. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot and of sense. And if you want to schedule Aaron in a week from now, it's probably easier to schedule, <laughs> I'm guessing, than just hope you're there. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's good to have that option. And it's nice to have that option because a lot of these apps do a great job, but they don't have the in-person option. So it's interesting how you're melding both of those fields together, you know, perfect yeah. from your background training, yeah. mental health yeah. and digital. Yeah, and, and to your other question that I think is a really important one to think of before you actually implement this stuff, I think that, you know, one of the things that I love about shifts is that there's a very specific intention, right? So if you mm -hmm. said, I'm sad and I want to get happier, I'm lonely or, you know, not happy, I'm sad and I want to get present, I want to get into a better state or I'm lonely, then that's what we're doing over the next five minutes, right? So your th shift therapist comes on, connects with you a little bit, but really there's a script that you're going to be taking through that has worked for 90% of people. And I think what will happen is you'll say something along the lines of, are you, are you ready to go after you know a brief 30 second? And if they're not, if they're in a place where they're too angry or too activated, then you you say, okay, maybe your shift's not, the, it's not right for the shift right now and you have a, a resource. So I think pretty quickly you'll you'll assess that and based on what is being shared with you, I'm ready, I'm not ready. Because this is this is one way largely, the way that we're mm -hmm. doing it. Mm -hmm. As mm -hmm. opposed to a coaching session or a therapy session that's sort of two-way interactive. When you start doing that, I think you need a lot of training to do it well. Yes. And now I have a question too. Use. Outside so many follow-ups. <laughs> yes. Why use real people instead of AI if it's a one-way conversation? Well, so currently that it's 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 one way and it's digital, fully digital, right? So it's mm -hmm. all audio or you know different formats. But it's the it's the issue we talked about before that we know from the research that live human human contact it has literal immediate physiological 
changes mm-hmm. on your body and in this case benefits <laughs> to your body when you see the therapist that that relaxes you and the voice is a major thing and seeing looking someone in the eyes is a major thing and the human to human contact and and i think in the case of you were asking about can you get the same person i think in that case particularly it becomes sort of a mantra that this person is connected to yeah being in a good place but we'll see we'll we'll see what what works and what doesn't i'm I hearing think, job security for your coaches which is a good thing i think that's so key there's so much <laughs> you can't do therapy just you know going back a little bit Aaron. i did my all my early clinical research on this and i thought just like you did it sounds like you can't do therapy without being in the room together that was the state of the art when i was learning and then it turns out, you know, you do the telephone therapy research and it's looking pretty good and all of these other forms are looking pretty good. My best guess is that that the live experience is an amplifier, you know, so how can we use that to amplify really effectively? And then if there's real problem solving, like interaction, we know that a real therapist really outperforms a non-trained Absolutely. or a moderately trained. So this is not something for mental health issues for sure right now. And I suspect it'll always be, you know, you need a live person. Yeah. Yeah. It's about that connection, but it doesn't have to be in the same room per se, maybe phone or video is fine, but it's still real, real human. You can connect deeper than a robot, at least at this point in the world. One of the things I didn't anticipate when I was doing that research is that, you know, you have a generation now that's grown up in this kind of, yeah. and then I can see each other right now on video. So they're totally comfortable there. Some of them, whereas my generation was like, that sounds crazy. And no, we want to be with a live person. And so the person that we were doing research on was a different person back then. Mm -hmm. Also, So a lot of this is, is a moving target. It's true. I remember talking with a teen one time and it took probably like six weeks for me to figure out that her boyfriend, they never actually communicated in person or met in person. They just texted all the time. So I was like, oh, this is a different world. (laughs) So I do think, yes, there's a lot of people that would be completely comfortable with this format and and it's useful or you're meeting them where they're at. Yeah. 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 Right. Those, so you add that to your list of questions that you didn't realize you would have to ask as a therapist, right? <laughs> I know. Have you met your boyfriend? <laughs> I, have, I, I have had that same one. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. Well, we're kind of talking about things you want to develop still with shift. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you refer to it mostly as shift or one perfect shift? What's the shortened well, version for your program? What I am talking about now is shift therapy is sort of all falls under the rubrics of that, but we're launching the shift, the shift therapist recruiting. So it's not shift therapy yet. Okay. So right now it's, if you go to one perfect shift or oneperfectshift.com, that's the, that's the brand. But I think shifting is probably the way to talk about it. I think this is in terms of a skill that we could all get better at. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's a good way to talk about it. I like that. Yeah. It's a good terminology. So what would you see as some future steps for shifting besides obviously bringing on some therapist coach type figures, maybe for businesses? How do you see insurance playing into this? Where, where do you see the future yeah. of this going? Well, so I had talked a little bit about the university settings. We're going to, we're there and we're growing that one now to other universities. I think it's a really cool idea to have, say, a junior, you know, they have these peer education groups in university. And so there are folks that are trained for that. Often, like ther- people that end up becoming therapists go through mm-hmm. this track of volunteering during college. 
So in that case, I love the idea of your junior at college being there to connect with your freshman who's lonely. And I think they could be so helpful because they know the context. What really excites me, though, in the sort of enterprise or just companies in general that are will be selling this product, we are selling this product through insurance brokers, is that the use case that I talked about, you know, work life is tough and just having a way that can help you a little bit um, during the course of your day. So in the the big change there is that it used to be, you know, we sell through insurance brokers who sell insurance, but they also sell these wellness benefits. Mm-hmm. And over the last year, 50% of new wellness benefits that are being paid for are in the mental health and wellness category. And so what you're seeing is that companies are now feeling and acting on the reality that they are somewhat responsible for the wellness and mental health of their population. Whereas it used to be, yeah, they would cover insurance, but they would move you out. And now they're bringing more under the hood of the company so that these are just benefits that are offered as part of your compensation package. That will help mainstream it, you know, when that becomes normal. So I'm excited by that, you know, big company, 20,000 plus 100,000 employee companies really saying, hey, this is something we want you to be doing because they see not only does the productivity increase if you're feeling in a better place, but the more you can raise the boat of emotional intelligence across a team or an organization, you're going to see productivity increases. Never mind the reason you and I would talk about it is like, it seems like the right thing to do. People should learn this stuff and it's good, but there are real incentives on a ROI basis for companies now. Right. And creativity blossoms when stress is low. So yeah, yeah, this would be great as part of a, just a wellness package, I guess, with a, with an organization. That's it. Yeah. So that's where you asked about the insurance. So that's what we sell through insurance companies. We have a lot of brokers that we talk to and and they already have clients. And so they introduce a new product. Usually this stuff happens in the fourth quarter because everyone's renewing their insurance benefits at the time. So they make decisions about what benefits they're going to offer or change during the fourth quarter. But yeah, we talk to them year round. And I think that's the next place that we'll spend a lot of attention growing. So you're really in business and digital and mental health fields. I think it's fair to say, yeah, it's, you're so observant, Aaron, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but (laughs) I I still have my clinical skills. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was, I was, I was in business for five years before I went back to grad school and became a psychologist. Okay. That kind of background in my blood. And then, you know, I mentioned as a site in grad school, it was all digital psychology research and then treatment's kind of my favorite thing. So I, I think there's nothing more peaceful to me than setting aside time to be one-on-one with someone. So I love that piece of it. And I, I definitely learned this presence piece from doing all that. So yeah, uh, lifestyle wise is what I try to talk about this as now. Don't think of, you know, meditation as a practice. Just think of it's a nice lifestyle to know how to come into presence when you need to. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And we, we actually have an upcoming show about the future of the workforce. And a lot of what you're mentioning reminds me of that conversation because it fits right in where companies are looking for ways to support mental health and productivity and kind of consider that as part of their role for their employees where in the past, as you were mentioning, that wasn't really a consideration. So yeah, this just fits in nicely with the up and coming needs and trends. So I hope it really just takes off for you. 
Thanks so much, Aaron. This has been great chatting a little bit. We should talk again sometime. Yeah, it's been really interesting to hear. And I keep meaning to ask, is this right now a subscription model? Like for our listeners who are interested, is it free? Do they pay a subscription like you would some other meditation apps? What's the format? Yeah, yeah, actually. So I was talking about we sell the companies, organizations, but you can also do it just as an individual. Same app, go to oneperfectshift.com. That is not free. If you want to do a free, you subscribe at oneperfectshift.com and you'll start to get free shifts. If you decide you want to get into the app, that's like $13 a month or something like that. That's reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I used to think of it as, you know, if we can get the cost of this under one session of therapy or something for the year and give the whole year, then that was music to the ears of clinicians, you know, who might want to recommend it to their patients and things like that. So absolutely. When When we add live people, I'm guessing that'll change, but we haven't figured out all the numbers on that yet. Right. And I'm sure there's plenty of people listening who might be interested in joining that as a, as a job, because it seems like, you know, not a huge amount of time, just 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, but very much overlapping with the mental health field. So people who are coaches or mentors, I think would be drawn to that. Yes. We're starting to get that reach out and I agree. And I, what I like to say about it is another surprise, which is that the people who learn to shift others are getting more out of it than the people who shift. I bet. Yeah. Cause it's like helping someone. We know this from our profession, but you feel so good. And also it's evidence. I mean, you have to shift yourself to shift someone else. Mm-hmm. So you're getting you the benefit anyways. And then, yeah, you're continuing your habit. So there's all sorts of benefits to doing it. That's why I say if everyone did it 10 minutes a week, I think with 95% of mental health issues would be, let's say reduced. I bet. I mean, you sold me. I'm going to be more mindful now of, you know, transitioning in between stressful events and recentering. So, okay. So the website you mentioned oneperfectshift.com and then are there any other resources for people who are interested in this and, or resources to learn more about your work? I think that's the best place to start. Just subscribe there and you should get exposed to stuff. The, the, for an organization, if you go to oneperfect.com, that's where you can get your free trial for multiple people, but for individuals, oneperfectshift.com. Good, good. Well, this has been really interesting. I feel like we could probably keep talking, but we do need to wrap up. Is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? Any final words? How about let's just take a long, deep breath. Come into the present moment. Notice how that shifts, how you feel a little bit. And set that intention to bring that into the rest of your day. Beautiful. Well, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. This has been a really interesting conversation. I want to thank our listeners too, for taking the time to join us. And just a reminder that the resources for this episode and an archive of all of our other episodes can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. And we really look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavioral Health Today. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective.